Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lu, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who's the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today we're talking about, well, we're continuing our series about Lent. And uh, last week where we talked about how Jesus overcame the temptation of survival, we're talking about the temptation of spiritual entitlement. And I think a lot of this can look a little bit more subtle in our lives, but it happens when we're in the middle of a test, trial, or tribulation where we consider what the character of God is in the midst of our struggles. For example, for many of us, it could look like I've done all these things or I've given up X, Y, and Z. And so God should, you know, fill in the blank. And so for a lot of us, that is a form of entitlement that can really shut off what God is doing in our lives and prevent us from really accessing or being available for what God is doing in terms of mission and purpose. And so uh, we're exploring how Jesus really overcame this temptation and what it might look like for us to overcome this temptation during this season of Lent as well. And so uh, follow us along. Here's Dr. Sammy. Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So uh, um, with the coronavirus, uh, one of my leaders I know on Twitter tweeted, I know the Bible says that no weapons formed against us shall prosper, but you still can wash your hands. So I, I would encourage everyone to wash your hands, even though God has a plan for your life, has a destiny for you, you're probably not going to die. That's a big might. No, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm serious. God has a plan for your life, but let's take logical precautionary things like washing your hands. That's 99.9% of how you don't catch it. So do it. We're, we, we, we talked about contingencies and stuff like that, but we just felt in our spirit that we're going to continue to meet and gather and grow in the Lord. Amen? Okay? So to alleviate this tension that everybody's struggling with, let me give you a picture of cuteness. My son, he's seven. He's my youngest son. He's a fashion designer at seven. And um, he picked this outfit himself in the hat. He goes, I look so good. <laughs> and he doesn't manipulate his cuteness to 
manipulates us to get the things he wants in his life. And, and there are times when we have to push our kids to excel um, in their lives. We have to teach them thing, thing, things like Singapore math. Singapore math is so annoying to learn and to teach. And, you know, one of the things that, that our son doesn't understand is that in life, without math, you cannot succeed. Say amen if you know this. Right? How many people here remember learning math for the first time? Raise your hand. And if you're, and if you're in Asian descent, that's just like a stereotypical thing that you're supposed to be good at. Well, I remember even growing up in Seoul, if you got an answer wrong, you would get hit. And they were like, the teacher was like, you're Asian, you can't get that wrong. You, you don't get any respect. I'm exaggerating, but I mean, I did get hit. Uh, and so, you know, I, my son doesn't understand at seven that in life, to excel in life, you have to do math. And he just says to mom, mom, you're so mean when you teach me math. I don't understand why you have to be so mean. And let me just tell you, my wife is a saint, the holiest person I know, right? And this kid, there are 30 questions. It takes four hours to do those questions because every question is, why do I have to do this? And my wife loses it after the third question. She turns into She-Hulk or some type of, you know, I mean, she's just like, re I mean, and even God's patience is tested. I feel it <laughs> watching it, you know. But he, he, in that framework, he can't understand why she can't be nice about it. <laughs> psychologists book have said you shouldn't yell at your children. And I'm thinking these psychologists don't have any children. They're not binary programs. You tell them what to do and they listen. They resist. Sometimes the framework in our mind is when we go through trials and tribulations in our lives. And God has to be stern with us. A lot of us have a hard time computing being rebuked or being tested or being disciplined by God because we feel like love should equate puppy type of affection. And so Josh as a seven-year-old, cannot compute in his mind why his mom has to be what he calls, in contextual context, mean, when she's actually being what? Stern. And in hindsight, what he'll learn is that every parent that loves their child would have to discipline them for their own good. But what is Josh feeling? when his mom treats him that way through a brief period. And then all she says after the, the questions are done, okay, you could go back on your iPod. He's like, finally, I could live. He feels entitled. He has an assumption that my mom should. Tell someone, my mom should. He's shooting on her. My mom should be nice to me because. It's a form of entitlement that we all have. God should be good to me because I came to church or I tithe or I'm trying to do the right thing. God should bring this result because I prayed and I did my QT and I did Sarah, Sarah Young's Jesus Calling. I told some of them about Jesus. So God should bless me because I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to follow after him. I'm trying to obey him. 
there's a sense of spiritual entitlement that says A plus B, 1 plus 1 equals 2. And that's really the test of the second temptation of Jesus. Spiritual entitlement. The assumption in which if I act a certain way, then God should act another way. And it's cal- we calculate it. And this is where the prosperity gospel comes in. If I do these things, then God should bless me. Everybody here know the end of Jesus' life? Death. Tell someone next to me, death. And say the cross. Did you not know that was part of the plan? This was given away in the very beginning. From the Old Testament, it was prophesied that Jesus would die from a tree. The curse came through a tree, therefore the curse would have have to be removed from a tree. Sometimes, death and pain is part of the plan. And Josh, while looking at those numbers, cannot compute that that pain is part of the plan right now. But when he's applying to college applications and AP math in high school, he'd be like, oh, good Lord, Mom, thank you. Thank you, Mommy, for pushing me. Because when Google questions me about a math equation that I don't know, I could probably figure it out because I did Singapore math when I was seven. Discipline never feels good at the moment. And it should not feel good because that's the whole point of it. But we feel entitled to know how God should act And therefore, when we go through momentary troubles or pain, that he's not good. A lot of times when we accuse God against his character, we take snippets of our lives and momentary things and say, if you you were good, you would not allow this to happen. When we have to take the framework, the holistic view of what God is trying to accomplish. So let's look at the second temptation. Bye, Josh. Ask him about his hat. (laughs) So the second temptation starts at verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will not condemn. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So what's the point of this temptation? What is the point of this test? The evil one is saying A plus B equals C, one plus one equals two. Rather than the word if, that conditional question, probably the most accurate translation in the Greek is since. Right? Since you are God's son. This will happen. And a lot of people read this passage of scripture and have a hard time grappling with what the problem is. Why couldn't he do this? He is God's son. Why can't he show off his power? Because it's the nature of the temptation. A lot of people think that this text is saying you shouldn't test God. Tell someone next to you, you shouldn't test God. That's bad. You shouldn't test God. No, 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 no. Wave your finger. Mm-mm. No, no. Right now we should fist bumping. No handshakes. Fist bumping. 
or elbows. <laughs> but no, you shouldn't test God. And it could sound from a secular point of view like in New York, right, from a more of a scientific, imperialistic type of framework. Oh, so you see, those Christians are archaic and brainwashed. They're just told to believe in this, these stories of creation and myths, and they're supposed to take it as fact. It's very brainwashing and very cultish thinking. See, a lot of people don't understand that what Jesus is going through in these temptations is not a vac- it doesn't come from a theological vacuum. Exegetically, it comes directly from a Jewish book, right? It's Ma- this is the book of Matthew. Matthew is speaking to a kosher audience, a Jewish audience. They know exactly what these temptations are about. They're the temptations faced by Israel in the desert. They were also tested to represent God, but they failed, which should only took- have taken 40 days took 40 years, and they died, most of them, in the desert. So Jesus, to be qualified and to be tested for ministry, to change the world, to represent his Father, he also had to overcome the temptations in the wilderness. And the second temptation really comes from a pitiful moment in the book of Exodus when the people of Israel, millions of them, who've just been set free from slavery and captivity, could not find water. And we, we've heard this story before where Moses hits the rock twice. God commands him to do it once, but he strikes it twice. Peeves knows what I'm talking about. My wife knows what I'm talking about. Some people sometimes in ministry drive us nuts. Not you, though. Not, not any of you. I, I'm not talking about I'm talking about other people that aren't here today. They're complaining about the momentary expedient need of water when God sent the seven plagues to sever them from the most powerful nation in the history of the world who probably had equivalency of like nine nuclear warheads, which wasn't invented yet, but they basically had that, the most advanced technology in history, And God delivered them with seven miracles, then parted the Red Sea, gave them manna, gave them meat. Now they're saying, oh, we don't have any water. And and the people of God says to Moses, what the heck are you doing? Do you even know what you're doing? Why did you bring us, why did we go through all this trouble to be set free from slavery, to die, to not have water? So you see, the culmination of this test is not about the character of God. The question is, Can we trust God to do what we think he'll do? So, when you trust him, you don't trust him in a vacuum. You look at the culmination of all he has done retrospectively. Tell someone faith is retrospective. Yeah, if you're completely atheist and you have no framework of God and God has never moved in your life, you can test God. And many people in our church have test God. That's how they came to faith. Oh, God's not real. Okay, God, do this. God does it. Oh, man. We're talking about believers here that have been saved, delivered, healed. And you never have seen your life at this point. And then if a test comes, a temptation comes, and fear comes, and when anxiety comes, what the Bible is saying, look at what the Lord has done in your life. Tell someone, look at what the Lord has done in your life. So the test doesn't come in a vacuum. Jesus is 
coming with the culmination, the cumulative effect of the power of God of Israel and his life and standing on the foundation of who God is, his character. And that's why he says, do not test your Lord, your Lord, your Lord God. That's why he says that. You see, 180 exists because the leaders have founded 180, the staff, my wife and I. We've overcame materialism. The hold on materialism wasn't that great on us. We love Jesus more. But that was just the first test. I remember Henry, he, he came and he says, I'll be homeless for Jesus. I'll be homeless for Jesus, man. I just need like a towel. <laughs> I, I want my dishes, though, cleaned. <laughs> right? I mean, my wife and I in, in Peeves and in, in many others that are in secular places that, that started this place, they sacrificed and said, I will, give my, put my, I will bank on the power of God. And they had no, no materialism had a hold on them. Really, they, they, they conquered that fear. Man, then, they don't struggle with that. They struggle with a lot of things, but that's not one of those things. But what happens, what happens when you do that, you sacrifice everything. So you go, well, I'm sacrificing everything. Then God should, tell someone next to you, God should bless me. Ministry should go smoothly. Right? God, come on, these people, come on, they're taking all the money. We're sacrificing all the money, right? We're, 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 we're sacrificing our youth, our lives for the kingdom. Therefore, you should move in power. And many of us, when we started it, dealing with millennials, my goodness, It didn't go to plan. Ministry, I, I honestly thought when I came into the city, man, this is going to be easy. What a dumb idea. This is going to be easy, I thought. Little did I know. Ministry was going to be difficult. And then a lot of us struggled with the question, then why did we give up everything if we're not going to be successful at it? <laughs> Anyone think like that? Why am I going to do this if I'm not going to be even good at it? And then you ask the question, why do you do this in the first place? To be famous? To be just successful? To, be, to have prosperity? Or do you do it because you're called and you love God? So what's the aim of this temptation. What is at the core of this test Jesus experienced? This is the first point. The point is what? The hold of what? The hold of spiritual entitlement. If I sacrifice X and I live a holy life, then I should be married by this age. Right, God? Or I should have this X amount of income. If I do this, then I should have this. We might not be tested in the same way Jesus is tested, but we are tested in many similar ways. Especially with timing. 
especially in moments of despair and doubt. When we say, God, do you even know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing in my life? That's what Lent's about. It's about coming into submission, standing on the foundation of who God is in the totality of Scripture and banking on who he is because he has worked in your life already. What has happened? You've forgotten that. You've forgotten that the Lord's worked, that he does miracles in your life, and you've forgotten it. And praise becomes dull and mundane because our collection of memories of what the Lord has done has faded. That's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, do not forget what the Lord God has done in your life. That's basically the command over and over and over again in Exodus and Deuteronomy in the Torah. So my question to you today is this. Do you have spiritual tenements? Do you expect something from God? Because you've done something? Like prosperity, health, bling, I don't know, whatever it is, a spouse, hot girlfriend, hot boyfriend. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe like a band member in Korea, I don't know. You're like, well, God, these are my, this is the deal. Or, you know, a soap opera star. I don't know. We have these odd entitlements, and they're just an assumption, but we have them, and that's what's being tested, that hold. Because it's really, are you serving God? Or is God serving you? Because this is really at the core of the test, lordship. His sovereignty over ours. His ownership over mine. And that's why some of us are not on mission. Because we're repeating the same patterns of despair in the desert, just like the people of Israel, should be 40 days for 40 years. And we're never released to do amazing things that God has called you to do. Tell someone, God has called you to do something amazing. Tell them like you believe it. God has called you to do something amazing. How many people believe that? Do you believe that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But just like Jesus, just like the people of Israel, every single person that will be released for ministry, and that's not pastoral ministry, we're talking about representing him as an ambassador for Christ. Everyone has to be tested this way. So let Lent be the lens in which you see the hold of entitlement, the hold of materialism. And next week, the hold of power. And lay it all down and say, God, I'm ready. I'm 20, I'm ready. I don't want to be those like knuckleheads, 13, they don't even know what they're doing yet. Get it done. Draw a line in the sand and say, God, get this out of me. Weed it out of me. Jesus was 30. I'll do it at 21. And then maybe God will take some spiritual arrogance out later, beat it out of you. But you know what I'm saying? That's the point of Lent. That's what we're confronting. Rather than wasting time with pettiness and mis being misguided, 
It's getting ready to be filled by the Spirit to do your destiny. That's what this is about. So the 40 days is just a framework to use. All right, so the whole the spiritual. So what's the lesson here? Let's move down. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That comes directly out of that experience of water. You can have faith because God has moved. And therefore we call it from, we, faith is, comes from retrospective grace, which we see the lens of grace from the past, so we can have prospect grace, future grace. We can bank that his new mercies are new every morning because of the past. Amen? So I remember one time, let's put this picture up here, Stu, he's our wonderful small group leader, and he has led many people to Christ in his group over, over the last few years. And he's going to speak again this summer. Heads up, Stu. Um, and he was giving, and, and he was preaching on the power of community. Mm, so lovely. And he was talking about how God has moved in the community. And he was saying, these people have come to Christ. And he, and he said, you know, I looked at these videos, and look at the powerful altars at our community. And he was telling the stories, and people were moved and everything. And then Wendy Lee, I call her Wendell, I actually introduced them to the Enduro people as Wendell. I thought that was kind of funny. They still think she's Wendell. Well, she is. That's her nickname. And uh, Wendell came in and, and, uh, after the service, and uh, Wendell said to Stu, hey, buddy. You forgot you led me to Christ. And Stu said, I did? <laughs> That's like me forgetting Nathan coming to me and goes, you're my dad, right? And I'm like, well, I think so. I remember bringing you from the delivery room somewhere. And, and uh, Stu was like, he forgot. He completely forgot. I mean, God, is, God does so many mighty things through his life. He forgets salvations in his own small group. I told you it would be funny way, right? Um, but sometimes it could, be right, it could be staring at us like I'm staring at you. And you forget what God has done. Sometimes in those small groups they go, is anyone going to come to Christ ever? Has anyone come to Christ? And that's why the power of altars are so important. If you want to be free from that hold of spiritual entitlement that God should do something, you've got to remember what God has already done. Because we quickly forget. And my question to you today is this. What have you forgotten in your life? powerful things that the Lord has done in your life. Is it fading? That's why our worship is stale, because we've forgotten. That's why we have to go back to those altars and remember again. So then when we're in darkness, we won't doubt what God has said in the light in the darkness. 
That's why Jesus says, I don't need to put God to the test. I know who he is. I remember when I was 25, my dream was to impact the next generation about how to think about faith. And God told me when I was around that age, he goes, I mean, he spoke to, you know, when you journal, God, God spoke to me, he goes, I'm going to give you the stage of history to speak my heart to your generation." I submitted articles. I wrote 12 articles when I was 20-something. My mentor said, give them to me, and I'll help you get them published. None of them got published. Zero publications. You know why? He lost them all. <laughs> I go, what do you mean you lost them all? I don't know where they went. Are you serious? He's like, yeah. But you know it's like basically impossible to get pub published anyway these days. You want to get published in CT? That's basically impossible. None of us did it. I'm like sitting there, 25. This is, I'm 40 now, right? I mean, it would take 15 years for this to happen. But what did I feel when he lost my articles? What is the point of writing these things? I'm like, God, really? Stage of history? My mentor came to find my articles. This week, 15 year later, years later of 25, not only did a piece that I wrote on loneliness trend number one in CT, thank you. No, no, no. Okay, more, more, more. All right. Not only was I invited to a radio station that had 20 million people on, we had a truck driver call in while he was driving from Indiana about loneliness, and we could minister to him on the air. Then I was invited this week to the largest Christian radio station on planet Earth with 60 million people listening in. Then at the same week, Harvard Medical School shared my piece that I wrote for CT in every single menial channel they had. And then you know what I thought to myself? I'm such an idiot. You're like, no, but you're smart. No, I'm such an idiot. Because if I could go back and tell my 25-year-old self, and all of you know, in the midst of your struggle and understanding your story where God's going to launch you, God's name is G-O-D. Guaranteed on-time delivery. <laughs> Remember that. What, what is it? G-O-D. Guaranteed on-time delivery. It's not Amazon Prime. It's not two-day delivery. It's not one-day delivery. It's not drone delivery. God is never late. You're just early. <laughs> and if you're struggling in that darkness today, you're going, it's never going to happen. That's because you're an idiot. Because you're taking one anecdotal experience of your life and not even comparing it to the totality of Scripture and the power that has moved for centuries, millennia of God-tested character, especially not even mentioning the cross. And you're saying that this one experience makes God who he is. 
Tell someone next, that's an idiot. Tell them, that's an idiot. Stop being an idiot. That's what I called myself. I had texts. And that was not even the end. Someone snapped photo the Harvard share of the piece to a publisher, the biggest Christian publisher in the world. And they said, you should start writing a book right away. And I just said, okay, well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And I say this because I didn't even expect anything. Then I realized again that God, G-O-D, is guaranteed on time delivery. It's his time. Tell someone next to you, it's his time. Will you trust his time for your life? Or do you want to trust your time? Because how many people here control freaks? I am. If someone is five minutes late to a meeting with me, this person's not coming. <laughs> One minute, and it's like, this person is rude. Second minute, this person is possessed. <laughs> Who they think they are. Three, th three minutes late, I'm leaving. Five minutes feels like 50. When you are waiting, it, it's, everything is exaggerated. When you're in that high point of that mountain, it looks like nothing is ever going to happen. But the second test to overcome, to be sent on mission from God, is very clearly to lose that hold of spiritual entitlement, to say God should move like this. God should do this. And say, God, I'm going to stop shitting on you and let you do you. Let God do me. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. I'm kind of at a point where I enjoy discipline. Mm. Um, like doing things that I know that are good for me, even though it's not necessarily like what I want to do. Um, so like, but I do know there was like a large point in my life when I was younger where I would be like, I've done these things. Like why aren't like, why isn't my life good? Um, but because like, I think my experiences with that have changed so much, like I know that like if I'm undergoing a test or like something is very difficult right now, there's like a reason or like it's good for my character or like these things that mm -hmm. I can reason why things are tough right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't, it's like, it's kind of tough for me to come up like with like an example currently right now that's like, mm man, I've been, like, tithing and, like, I've been sacrificing my time and resources for God. Like, how come things aren't easier? You know what I mean? So it's, like, I'm not exact. I'm not... Because, like, I think I've grown to understand that the discipline is good for me and, like, you get disciplined because God loves you, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, God is trying to expand you so that you can be somebody that can walk in the destiny he has for you or the calling that he has for you. Um, But it... Yeah, so I was trying to think of times with my mom that when she disciplined me, it was, like, in the moment, really awful. But, like, now when I look back, it's, like, something I'm very grateful for. Like, I'm, that, those are the kind of the examples I'm think, trying to think through. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't think of any. And when we say discipline, <laughs> we don't mean, like, physical discipline. Yeah. But we were really referring to just any kind of... Um, I guess anyone being hard on us yeah. for something 
that matters right being stern i think the mm-hmm. being stern and yeah. being mean differentiating between those two is like helpful for this because mm-hmm. you know you can interpret somebody as being mean um i think i've been called mean quite a lot as like a when in my young adulthood because i that was more or less pretty matter of fact about mm-hmm. things but i always thought of it as discipline because <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. oh, it's because i care about you and i love you mm-hmm. and this is the best way that i can help you right mm-hmm. now in like the fragile emotional state i'm in uh that i am speaking to you in such a way that might not feel good because things that are good for you don't always necessarily feel good you know and i think that could get misconstrued as like oh this person is being very harsh with me and like they don't like me or x y and z but you know i I think there were times where i felt that way about my parents but Mm -hmm. um like again it's tough tough to think of an example but you know my mom would discipline me when you know i would play too many video games and such like that she would like hide my computer mouse um and i was kind of sneaky so i would like have a second computer mouse and play video games anyways and then like when she caught me and she was hard on me and such like that i think it at the time, it was kind of like, oh, whatever, this is like, you know, I'll figure out a way around this. Um, but I think what she was, like, one of the takeaways I had from that is that, oh, like, maybe because I didn't have a lot of things that I wanted, like, video games and, like, computer games and such, and I had to figure out how to, like, scheme my way to play these things and such like that. Um, I have, like, I don't feel like I, I do those things a lot. Like, I don't play a lot of video games or a ton of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that if you do and you enjoy them, it's like done in moderation. I don't know. It's like a kind of a far-fetched lesson I'm trying to grasp here. Cause like mm-hmm. my mom has always been like trying to teach me to be like moderate. And I think like kind of having that stance on a lot of things or being moderate in general has just become a part of who I am, which has been kind of beneficial for me in other circumstances too that I see. So Mm-hmm. but again i, I kind of had to stretch for that <laughs> for that example yeah so it seems like from your childhood stories right and from knowing you right mm-hmm. and your stories there's like a bad streak right Very. you had a bad streak it's pretty bad yeah yeah so even when you get in trouble it's really because you did something wrong absolutely yeah it's usually because i did something yeah wrong. and even when you get in trouble again uh. And you come to terms with it, you know that you were disciplined because, well, it was your fault. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Mm, okay. Yeah. The hardship about um, being disciplined is when you can't really see why mm. and when you feel like you've been good. Yeah. And you've suffered enough. Mm. I think that's when things are tough. Right. It's like, you know, if you, if there's a sibling, like, you know, the prodigal son story is like a really good story that mm. Jesus uses to reveal kind of like the heart of people, right? Mm. Um, the prodigal son runs away, takes everything, does everything wrong. Right. And you could say he's the one with the bad streak, right? Supposedly. Mm. And... He comes back and the elder son is like, what do, what do I get? Like, mm. why is it that he's not being punished and I'm not being rewarded more, mm. you know? 
and it's there's a sense of greed also it's like well this is not enough mm. there's a forgetfulness but it's that forgetfulness of how like um, the father says to him like everything i have is already yours right and the text already shows that he already had servants he had a very comfortable life mm. very good mm. life very blessed life but the forgetfulness or even kind of like um not recognizing what one had mm -hmm. um was because of greed yeah it's like well i think i deserve more than that mm. and it's like it's i think that's a really great differentiation there because it's like when you are behaving in a good way or like what's maybe what you what most people might think is like expected of you then it becomes about like fairness right it's like it is this isn't fair that i'm being treated this way when i've done x y and z things right like that was kind like of when the, i went through that yeah yeah right? it's like kind of like the formula of like if i do a then b should happen to me but then when we don't get b then it's like why didn't then why did i do that or what, what was the point of all that to begin with yeah um when you're starting from a point where you didn't really expect much out of life mm -hmm. and when life turns out better than you thought and you you feel blessed and there's yeah. a gratefulness there it's hard to identify entitlement until that comfort is kind of scattered and broken mm. you know how could you how or how could anyone possibly understand right mm. when you feel like even your suffering or pain that you that that you felt was caused by yourself and mm. then even then by grace of god you are blessed mm, like yeah. you know what i mean right. so um i think the message speaks volumes to people um actually to all right but i guess just highlighting certain um things i mean sam spoke about spoke about it right it's like examples of you know well i should be married by now yeah I should be dating by now. Why mm. isn't my life the way that I thought it was going to be? Mm -hmm. Like at 20, this should have happened. At 30, this should have happened. And when that keeps happening or not happening, um, the entitlement brews mm. within and it shows up in ways where it is very, I mean, it was always very clear to God, but, mm. you know, it comes to a place where you don't even realize that that's the very thing that's keeping you from um not blessing per se but really participating in what god is doing yeah like really being freed up mm -hmm. you like one counting how much i have versus someone else in comparison that actually keeps people out because the elder brother he couldn't come into the party right and he was outside he was bitter and I think that's also the te uh, temptation that the enemy, um, which Jesus overcame. I love the teaching that Sam gave on it mm, yeah. when he said, um, Jesus said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, mm. which also meant, I already know who God is. Mm. Don't don't make me like i'm not gonna test him there's no need for that yeah like it was so matter of fact like that makes so much sense mm, yeah. you know that it wasn't just out of a vacuum but there's a context to like there's a contextual relationship he had with the father right. already and he's like i know who god is why mm. i don't need to prove that to you right you know yeah so 
like what I feel is like it's very bitter and sweet because it's almost like the bitterness can't come out unless there's sweetness hmm. in someone's life. Hmm. I feel like it's exposed when there's sweetness. Oh, so it's like a contrast kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, in contrast, it is kind of illuminated mm. because there's also greed in, oh, I think I should have more. Yeah. But even in a fair world that does not exist, um, it's bound to happen. But, right. you know, so I think the grace is also the contrast of being surrounded by sweetness when you feel that it's, not so sweet and yeah. swell in your own life. The kind of undeserved things. Yeah. I think that's when people start counting and comparing. Right. And that's kind of how the test is, mm. um, I think, us for humans, because how could we know unless there's a contrast? Mm. Something to compare to. Right. Like on social media, oh, my friends are getting married, mm. but why am I single? Mm. Um, my friends are getting into great schools, but why am I at this job that I don't even like? Mm. Or my friends are getting promotions, but why am I here stuck at this job I don't even love mm. or jobless? You know, it's the comparison. And I think um, the discipline is identifying like any hardship that is in your life when you can't see that the hand of God is still working because yeah. you've forgotten. And of course, any hardship can form us if we surrender, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the blaming happens when you feel like you're suffering more than you should. Yeah. Undeserved mm -hmm. suffering happens in your life. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I think yeah, I'm just listening because like, I think it's like, Entitlement is one of those very uh, subtle things that are hard to identify. Like, it's not that... I think it's hard to catch that you might be feeling a sense of entitlement or somebody might be feeling a sense of entitlement when it comes to things like this. Because it's like... I think it's like you can almost look at it like in a school model. The way I think about it is like, okay, I put in like X amounts of hours into studying for this exam. Um, and I, I got a grade of this. And then like, there's always those stories where you hear students being like, I put in so much time for this. Like, how come I got this grade? And when there's so many like steps in between about like how you ended up getting this grade. But, mm -hmm. it, but the fact of the matter is that it's like, it's not that it was technically like unfair. It's like, you got the grade that you got because of the performance. Right. But then it's mm -hmm. like, it jumps to the conclusion of like, I deserve this because of this that might have had nothing to do with the performance of the tests right? yeah it's not as it always appears right that it's there's an assumption that because i um something is going well in your life mm. versus mine for example right? right um you must have it easy yeah but that's not true mm. right just because um it you don't, I mean, a lot of times we don't know all the parts and the hardships of people's lives. Yeah. We don't know what people's family lives are like, you know, what kind of parental figures they have to grow up with. But we just see, it's so easy to see just a highlight yeah. and be like, well, that person has it so easy. Mm. They have no idea how hard I had it. Right. But that's an assumption. Yeah. Because hardship has no respect for persons right it mm. happens to anybody yeah 
So、um, it's really a matter of when. But yeah, I think I think that's true. People just assume that just because things are going well, that well, that person probably always has it easy.、Mm, yeah. And I think the entitlement grows and the bitterness grows when that assumption is strong.、Mm. Then compared to that person being blessed, it almost seems like really unfair, really good.、Yeah. Like it's kind of like upside down the way that. They've received or whatever reapings that they received, right? Because、mm-hmm. like, I guess like, a lot of this has to do with like, I mean like Doctor Sammy said that you know the usual takeaway for this message is like don't test God, like right, like that's、mm-hmm. kind of like as a matter of fact kind of thing, like、uh-huh. you shouldn't test God. But it's like it's a little bit more layered than that,、mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, and mostly for believers because it's like, well, if you know that if you know who God is and. God has shown up in your life time and time again before. Why would you test His character again? And it's it's almost like, to the degree by which we are entitled, is like how much we feel that God should do stuff for us because we've behaved morally or ho- we are holy or you know we've done all the right things and、like、we followed all the rules and such like that. Right? It's like, it's uh, you know. It's almost like transactional is what I was trying to.、Mm-hmm. I、yeah. think I was trying to get at before. It's like,、yeah. God, here's the deal. If I do these things, then you're going to bless me with, or we think that God's going to bless us with these other things that we want,、mm-hmm. right? And it's like becomes a transaction or like a contract between us and God. Yeah, you know, interestingly, I remember on Sunday morning,、um, before I went to church to hear this message, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what the message was about, but the phrase that I heard from the Lord was, it was kind of like a scenario, and the scenario is along what you're saying right now.、Mm-hmm. It was like,、um, just a lot of times people people try so hard to make God accessible in their minds that、mm-hmm. it becomes like, you know, we've used terms like a genie or、yeah. like a rabbit's foot or like a pocket Jesus, yeah, or like thing, pocket、yeah. Jesus that sort, and but it's and you would say it's transactional. It's、mm-hmm. almost like utility, right?、Yeah. But when in fact the reality is that God, the Spirit does the work of God because He submits to the will of God.、Mm-hmm. He submits to the Father, so it's really the will of the Father. That is available to us, like it's the heart of the Father that's available to us. But oftentimes we kind of look at it from our bottom end up.、Mm. This is how it should be.、Right. Well, you said to ask. Well, I ask. Well, or why? Why didn't I get what I? Sh- what I? Why did I get what I got? And why didn't I get what they got? You、yeah. know. And when the accessibility is not. Like a click of a button, or、mm-hmm. you know, the rubbing of the genie, or what it just the was, pocket, the, pocket yeah. Jesus. Then it's like, well, you know what, God, we're done. Like this does not work for me.、Mm, yeah. And that, so that's like the phrase that I had. That um, and people kind of forget God is God. Like、mm. He works according to His purpose. Right. In His time. By His will, and even when things fall apart in our lives that don't make sense to us, whether、mm-hmm. someone gets sick or, you know, when they're suffering or someone we love dies, God, He is able to work anyway. 
mm. like his will and purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. But a lot of times we say it's, we, we do this, we say it's for God, but actually in the end, it has nothing to do with God's will and his heart and mission. Yeah. It's all about our accessibility to whatever God can give us. Mm. And it becomes about me. And that's really where the prosperity gospel right. um, comes in. Right. It's like, okay, well, I I thought you're supposed to kind of show up. Yeah. You know, like people have assumptions like, oh, when I come to Christ, like everything is supposed to work out. Yeah. Well, this is not working for me, so forget that. And that's kind of understandable because when you first come to Christ, you're kind of understanding who God is. Mm-hmm. But I think also this message is for believers who have known God's faithfulness, but have forgotten, just like the Israelites had known God in his miracles and how he came through in so many ways, but have forgotten along the way. And it was just not enough. Yeah. So God is disciplining us in that he is confronting believers Mm. to identify that that this entitlement exists and actually it's it's not not the word is healthy but it's not healthy for us but also i think you know um the bible says god gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud Mm -hmm. and when you're beating your chest against god and saying you know god like i don't like how you're doing this and I think, you know, blah, 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 because I don't like how you are not giving me what I want. Whether we say that explicitly or not, if the entitlement is there, it actually keeps us away from the table of grace, Mm. from, you know, the presence of God. Like it keeps us away from what ultimately is the greatest path. Yeah. Even if it is the path of resistance, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot to take in because I think it's like this is obviously like a like a little bit deeper than maybe the survival mechanisms that we talked about last week with Lent. Like maybe if that was like the first layer peeled back, the second layer also kind of deals with the same thing where it's like we make our lives mostly revolve around like us and like our timing and our plans and like how we think God should work in our lives and such like that and really doesn't allow us to be available or be accessible to what God is actually doing, right? Like, because then if we're so fixated on like, God, I thought this was the deal or like, I thought that things were going to go down this way, then we don't really open ourselves up to seeing what God is actually doing sort of behind the scenes, right? Because it's like, we're so fixated on how unfair the discipline is that we're... In the present moment. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that we're like not seeing macroscopically or retrospectively like what God is actually at work at in our lives or around us yeah how god is loving us yeah and protecting us Mm -hmm. yeah no that's so true it blinds us the greed and blinds us the bitterness blinds us the entitlement keeps us Mm -hmm. where we don't want to be which is to be stuck yeah like, entitlement really is about that, right? Like, God, I don't want to be stuck here. Right. But it actually does exactly what you don't want. It keeps you Keep, stuck mm. out of grace, like out of the very pasture that God has for you to, you know, like, enjoy mm-hmm. 
and live to the fullness, the mission, the purpose.、Mm. And、um, the sole purpose and focus becomes me. And so, yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, so the bitterness and the sweetness, I think, definitely brings it out.、Mm. How that happens,、um, I think it would even help, I think, to go back to the、um, schema of entitlement. Yeah, the entitlement schema. Yeah, yeah. which is also known as the spoiled, spoiled brat or spoiled child. Yeah. I guess same thing. So, yeah, spoiled brat,、yeah. like spoiled child、um, schema. But it's not just an emotional truth adjustment to like emotional alignment, but it's really submission alignment to the father.、Mm. Yeah. So I think that、um, both is needed. Right, right. And this is like, this is a really great sermon because it just kind of allows us to be introspective about like. What might be going on right now in our lives, right? Because like,、uh, there's many people out there that are experiencing hardships and probably troubling scenarios and situations that they probably are, you know, you know, like bumping their chest with their fists and like probably pissed off at God, or I don't know, I don't know what they're feeling, but you know, like、mm-hmm. it's like it's、uh, that kind of behavior and that kind of attitude among many of us who might feel that way towards God at some point or another just goes to show that like we. I th- like there is like a like a bit of a distrust in who God is in our lives almost like it's if we've seen God showing up in our lives before and we've forgotten and I'm sure Israel might have felt this way where they were like in the desert and didn't want to get stuck there and there was like no water and so they were probably afraid or thinking like does does this guy Moses know what he's doing like I don't really understand why we have to go through this. To get to some promised land that they keep talking about, right? And so it's like, I think a lot of like human beings just in general carry this attitude because it also kind of taps into those survival mechanisms where we're like,、um, not only are we trying to survive, but like we don't want to be stuck in this situation, right? And so it's like we're entitled to、uh, like a smooth sailing journey or like a, an easy way out or.、Um, You know, good things as a result of you know us obeying or us doing or us serving God and such like that, right? And it's like this, this, this is kind of like those layers that Lent is trying to peel back so that we can unleash more of God's power in our lives. Right, and the thing is, like Israelites, they experienced like for Israelites, it was very black and white.、Mm. Either God showed up or He didn't. Yeah. And all the people of God knew that He showed up, right? Because I mean, they were they all crossed the Red Sea. Yeah, there were miracles, and there were like、yeah. plagues, right? And it's not just like miracles where like the plant grows in front of you, right? They crossed the Red Sea,、mm-hmm. and they saw the Egyptians die after、yeah. they crossed. Like they saw it. it; it was vast. Yeah. So it was very black and white for them, but. The forgetfulness was so strong. Even so, right? Even so, yeah. That the attitude was, what's going on here?、Mm, yeah. And you know. Right. So, I think also the clarity f- that it is God is speaking to believers is that He's speaking to people who have known. God's faithfulness. Yeah, 
not people that are wondering if God is real mm. or if God is good. People who know God has showed up in their lives in small and big ways. In, I think the word is undeniable ways. Mm, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we look at forgetfulness as a very innocent thing because, you know, I have a lot happening, a lot's going on. But this is actually forgetfulness based on greed. Mm. Not enough, God. Like, no, I need more. Like, no, no, I don't, I'm not going to have it. Like, it's a very, um, you want so much something else mm -hmm. that it's almost like you're willing to forget. Mm. And negate what happened in the past because and and as a result you forget yeah it's like the selective memory kind of thing because the way i'm seeing it is like you know the the lesson here is that like faith well well the lesson i i kind of took away from this also was that like faith is prolonged so much as you can remember who god is in your life right like you can always have faith if you've remembered all those times that god has pulled through um but it it almost seems like because we want something else so much more than what God might be doing in the current moment that we're unable to see it? Or do you think it's like a willingness to forget? Or is I it think like, it's both. Yeah. I think it happens with choice. Mm. It's like you forget. You be, It's kind of like this, like, you know, you become negligent of what you don't want to embrace, Right. Yeah, you like put it. You procrastinate. Yeah, you procrastinate. Yeah. You put it off, and it becomes. It goes to the back of your mind, mm. and then it no longer has any importance yeah. because there's a willingness to forget its inconvenient mm. truth. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there are many steps to things being forgotten. Yeah, it doesn't just like you don't you don't just yeah. Forget, it's right? not like just like oh, it really slipped my mind this moment, but mm. it actually happens over process. Something that was important becomes less important, and therefore, it kind of finds its way in like the miscellaneous box, you know. Yeah. Instead of like this important box, the new box of shoes, or mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's all about the new and the fresh and the novelty of things, and it's like oh, everything else like. Oh, yeah, did that happen? Oh, I don't remember that. Well, because you don't care that it happened. Hmm. You know what I mean? Right. That's the type of forgetfulness I believe God is addressing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so my little, my youngest son, Josh, he's uh, seven, turning eight, right? Hmm. Um, and this is not a story about his faith because his faith, he's growing in who God is. Right. And he... Maybe experiencing who God is, but might not even be aware. Like mm -hmm. that's like, so it's spiritually, right? He's asking questions about God, but this is a story about his relationship with mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Myself. And Josh knows that I love him. Right. But there's this one area of our relationship where he is um, unaccepting of, and it's the, it's really the relationship of about food yeah like he doesn't like everything i make right mm, yeah. he'd rather eat out it's like his preference yeah. and even though i pay i put a lot of effort into his food because i want him to eat vegetables mm. whether i hide them or make it presentable right. or tasty like i do a lot of like basically my kitchen is like 
a test kitchen, mm -hmm. right? And I'm very devoted to that, right? And I try to get more fruits in, you know, all this stuff. Well, so Josh, um, so there was this, I started to put more fruit in his, uh, in his lunch, right? Mm -hmm. And when I serve strawberries, I always cut the stem so that the white part on the stem is cut mm -hmm. so that you start, like I only give him, you know, you, yeah, the like strawberry. the cap, I basically take the cap off, yeah. but I slice it, right? You know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. right? Everyone yeah. knows. I'm sorry if you're allergic, but <laughs> everyone knows what a strawberry looks like. Yeah. But this is kind of important to the store. So I always cut it, and I cut it in pieces, and I put it in his granola, or I put it in his lunchbox every time because it's just something I do because mm -hmm. I feel like he would enjoy it better that way. Right. Well, so Josh and I are really close, and like we're watching like these um, you know, YouTube vlogs of these this mom making desserts right mm -hmm. and this mom was making a dessert with the same thing like was making like a strawberry shortcake something and cu cut the cap of the strawberry mm -hmm. and placed it and this was not the first time he said this to me but he said mom you never cut the strawberry for me like that i said yes i do yeah he goes no you don't yes i do i always do he goes no you don't because he's like that looks good what yeah. she's making that looks really good yeah. I said but josh like i could make that for you but you know i always cut the strawberry for you right he mm -hmm. goes no you don't and i was like really like now i'm like this kid is gaslighting me because yeah. i'm thinking like do i <laughs> right you know and i'm like no i do yeah. i made a point to always do that right and then he goes no, you don't. But at one point, he like paused. And I mm -hmm. thought it was like a prophetic moment, yeah. right? I didn't even know he knew this word. But he stopped and he goes, am I having amnesia? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Josh, you know what amnesia is? He goes, yeah, I have amnesia. If you're saying that you do yeah. and I think you don't, it's amnesia. <laughs> oh, someone had a logical <laughs> revelation right yeah. there. And then he goes, you do? I'm yeah. like, yeah, Josh, I always do. Right. He goes, I'm sorry. And then I just thought, that's so interesting. Yeah. Because it the whole mindset and like worldview of Josh's world about yeah. food is that I don't like food here. I wish I could have other people's food. Yeah. Other restaurant food, fast food. So in his mind, it's already decided. Mm. I don't really like. I love everything about my mom, but I don't really like how she does stuff yeah. for me. Mm. Although sometimes he's like surprised. Mom, I loved your food today. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I'm actually like having a... I like I wrote this on Instagram, but like... Mm. And I confessed it on Instagram. It's like a funny thing. I just said... I'm showing off to my son these days yeah. to show him I can cook. Right. Because... In the long haul, it's important that he knows that yeah. I can cook so that he grows up eating home-cooked food mm -hmm. and enjoys it. Right. So, like, I have this mastermind behind what I'm doing. Mm. Kind of like why I'm, like, baking and cooking extra yeah. hard, right? But, yeah, I thought that was so interesting because he had his mind made up about how he felt about that part of me. Mm. That it didn't even matter that I gave him what he was longing for outside. Yeah, and he already had it. Yeah, much just cut strawberries. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He forgot because he decided I don't like how he, she does that. <laughs> but I think that's kind of how it happens. That is a really good illustration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually happened the day before the message. Oh, really? So I was like, whoa. But amnesia is kind of 
I mean, of course, amnesia is a real thing. We're yeah. talking about like amnesia as mm. in like forgetfulness. Right. But I think that's what happens. Like we decide we don't like how God does things. Well, I don't really like God's timing about how He does things. I don't really like how I had to suffer and felt lonely or felt poor or felt like underprivileged. Mm -hmm. So I don't really like this part. So um, I'm gonna complain, and I'm not gonna trust. But I'm majorly gonna complain because I feel like I deserve more. Yeah, is I think what spiritual entitlement is. Right. And the forgetfulness and the amnesia that um, that scripture talks about. Yeah. And it's mostly because of our stupidity. Yes. That. And in the end, it's stupidity. Yeah. Because all along, you're kind of missing how good God is because right. of your preference mm. of when and how. Right. It does kind of remind me of sheep to a degree because it's kind of you know like dr sammy in the past has always like made references to like why sheep are so dumb mm -hmm. and why we're called sheep or like well scripturally you know, shepherds, yeah. yes <laughs> like, a lot of flocks and stuff uh -huh. but it's like you know i'm sure like their attention span or their memory is not very long so it's like you eat some grass and it's good grass and then you're like but the grass looks pretty good over there while the rest of the flock goes somewhere else because they're being led somewhere you're just kind of like hanging out over there by that grass you thought would would have been better for you but now you're just kind of like stuck there and you don't really know like it, it kind of prevents you from being able to move along with like the rest of the flock you know what i mean like we're like where god might be our shepherd might be leading the flock for like something much better because we're so fixated on this thing and maybe you have to travel like over a river or like over like some valley and it's like tough or something right mm -hmm. but then the shepherd has the best intentions for his flock at the end of the day but mm -hmm. And I mean, he even said that he's willing to leave the 99 yeah, for to the find one. the one. Right. But then like the the one of us or like a couple of us may be just complaining about like the grass when, you know, there's other grass. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to, I guess, draw this analogy because it's like we, it's really, it's, it is, it does come from a place of arrogance and pride to almost think that God's timing is not it doesn't fit into our lives, right? Because it's like, that's what we're essentially complaining about. It's like, this doesn't fit into the idea I had about what my life is supposed to look like as a believer, or as a Christian. Um, and we forget the fact of the matter is that like our lives are for the Lord. And so when we think about what God can do for our lives, it really is like an attitude of God serving us more so than us living a life that is in servitude to God. Yeah. yeah. And it's really the idea that we shouldn't suffer because right. we follow God. Yeah, like we're exempt from suffering because of our relationship yeah. with God. Yeah, and that's wrong thinking. Yeah. Like that's, forget theologically incorrect to think I shouldn't suffer. Mm -hmm. But that's just a faulty assumption about life and about this world that we live in. Right. Truth is, people we love will die. Mm -hmm. People we love will get hurt. We will get hurt. We will one day die. We can get sick. Yeah. You know what I mean? And coronavirus obviously shows us that, you yeah. know? And I think that's the other point that um, I guess we have to emphasize is that we're not exempt from suffering. Yeah. No matter how good and how awesome or... Yeah. Um, I don't know, kind you may be. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was younger and I found out my father, who is like 
who was everyone called him an angel and he was like a man of God when he got sick um there was a moment I thought wow that that's first I thought he was inevitable it was inevitable mm -hmm. that he would get sick but when he did get sick with cancer I just was like God like I did not see this coming this is not cool yeah. you know and I remember feeling that way and I had to come to terms with it and I think that's the thing like yeah I had to come to terms with it and I had to accept that even godly people suffer even godly families suffer yeah and but things like that you know and also to assume nothing will happen to us yeah well because yes god has a plan for my life but that plan is not to give us a radio show mm. that plan is not for our fame that yeah. plan is not to give us um give everyone a book deal mm -hmm. <laughs> or to give us all a reality show but i think there's an assumption that because i follow christ these things mm -hmm. should follow me these are blessings but actually they're you know and this is what i see like you know people who are actually doing things important in the world um for mission for um evangelism mm -hmm. they don't think like i need to hoard all these spots because you know there are only few spots to go around so i need to hoard them to make sure that um you know like people don't think that way people yeah. the higher people get in their influence the way they think is we need more people to rise up yeah because the harvest is plentiful like the higher you get in mm. influence people realize the harvest is bigger than you thought yeah but it's a, it's really the small pool um mindset where people think almost like a sibling rivalry it's like why do you get better than me you yeah. know what i mean and they start looking at opportunities and the life purpose um and the mission as what has god done for me like what about my fame but actually yeah. my fame all of that is not really on god's list like our fame yeah. um if people know our names if people know who we are that's all because um to be used as ambassadors for christ like right. you know what i mean but yeah. i think there's a wrong assumption about what we should gain as a result maybe i kind of like digressed a little bit no, but it totally makes sense because I, I was even thinking it's like well we can we can even make the claim that like the biblical figures and the biblical heroes are you know like they're i guess quote-unquote famous right not mm -hmm. like for us right as believers like we read about them all the time but there's never i don't th think i can recall ever an instance of one of those characters not having suffered right like or like like the disciples the majority i mean of them, they all died they all died the they first all, generation yeah, died, right? persecuted like, and died i'm sure that wasn't part of their plan like they mm -hmm. didn't but, intend to right. die you know but, but i think they were willing to yeah big difference right, right. yeah exactly. and that like goes to show it's like i don't know where we got the assumption that it's like that might not be in our like like future or our lives right like we just kind of excluded that because it's like it doesn't sound good right, right. Like that, that's just our preference like we oh like the death thing maybe not like maybe that's not for me but it's like i think you're i think you're right in what you're saying that like we kind of just about the small pool mentality yeah yeah right because because what because what it's what we're saying almost with that attitude is that like there's not enough or like why 
And the sibling rivalry thing makes sense to me because, like, my younger brother, when we were younger, would always wonder why I had a bigger portion. Mm. And that kind of, of food? thing. Yeah, food. <laughs> like, always. Like, always. And so like, it's like... Because the age, of, age difference is yeah. probably, what? Yeah, like three years. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you like, would get more food. I was bigger, yeah. And yeah. it's just kind of like... Yeah, it's just kind of... But we, like, kind of like my younger brother, so we kind of think that there's, like, not enough to go around. And so, like... If they're getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed, that means I'm just, you know, like, God doesn't love me. Right? Like, we jump to that conclusion that it's like, God doesn't love me. But it's like, we, just because we don't get the larger portion, doesn't, that's, that's not, that doesn't say, that doesn't tell us what God's character is, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's just like, too overgeneralized based off one anecdote, like Dr. Sammy said. It's just based off one story, mm-hmm. right? That, like, isn't even contextualized. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like its own isolated experience of something terrible that might have happened that doesn't really speak for who god is right and the thing is people know that right and because it's speaking to people who already know that Mm -hmm. that god is good but it's saying it's the complaint that comes out because i don't like it now yeah yeah i mean like even you know we're reading sarah young's devotional and if you read her story like she struggled um suffered physically and suffers even now and the strength of god that is written in these stories and the intimacy of god is really it really comes from her reliance of god Mm. so even redefining you know blessing it's like people talk about count your blessing but they're not always talking about like people have all sorts of definitions for plus blessing and plans like god's plan like well god's plan for jesus was to die on the cross yeah like sarah young she struggles but in her struggle and suffering the reliance is what has been so rich Mm. in her books to help millions and millions of people get closer to god right Mm. um so I think um, I s- recently saw Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, he's a Christian, um, uh, or what is it, counselor, right? Mm. Renowned counselor. And he said that someone said, you know, I went somewhere and they were so poor. All they had was money. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so redefining what blessing is, is it really about all these things of mm. comfort? Well, if the person is not living, if if one is not living a missional life, then what is really a blessed life? You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's the other thing. But yeah, I think it is a lot of times church operates and this is for the believers, like um, operates in the community a lot like si- siblings. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of siblings together and fighting about, well, that's not fair. Yeah. You may not say that to each other, yeah. but in action and also the motive of the heart is like well that's not fair yeah well why do you get that Mm -hmm. well what about me doesn't god know that i wanted that well why didn't he give it to me Mm -hmm. why does that person have it so easy and it seems like they get all the opportunities but me i'm here and i've suffered so much since youth like since i was young like what about some compensation for everything that i went through I thought God cares. And so there's this attitude about it, Mm. you know, Um, when people in community, I'm talking about people in community who really know God and that he's been good. Mm. And others could probably remember 
how they've been blessed over the years. Yeah. And really, like, in the scope of things, like, compared to the Christians in third world countries, like... It's not much to complain about compared to that. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, there's nothing to complain about. And mm. then I guess, like, the argument is, well, we're not in a third world country. We're in a first world. And there's first world problems that are difficult, too. Yeah, but if we are all one family of God, like, people have it way hard. And I think a lot of times the complaint is about, I want to have it better. Yeah. Bigger and better is better for me. Yeah. And I think as Christians, we lose perspective about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I guess we do, a lot of us carry probably assumptions of what better looks like, but that's not necessarily what God knows is best for us, right? Yeah, definitely not. Right. I remember in high school, going into high school, I prayed every night, God, if you get me into this specialized high school, and I didn't mm -hmm. even study much. Yeah. Like, I was like, God, if you get me into this specialized high school, I will go for your glory. I will mm -hmm. do it for your glory. And then some of my friends got in. Some of my friends didn't. And then I remember I was like, God, like, what the? I prayed every night. Yeah. I was, what, 13? I was like, God, I prayed every night. How could you not let me in? This mm -hmm. is not okay. But thing is, seventh grade, understandable. Yeah. You know, seven-year-old, understandable. But when you're 17, understandable, it's yeah. hard. 27 and this continues on and the entitlement is never dealt with mm. then the outcome of life and um relationship with god relationship with people well it's not going to change yeah you know yeah, if that person hasn't changed really. yeah because although other parts might be changing this entitlement has a way of taking such deep root in us that it will um affect everything like it will poison the well you mm, know yeah and i think that's why god is so graciously i mean the application is really for people to turn back to him mm -hmm. and the application practical application um that sam gave through the message was to remember the altars of yeah. altars are basically um at points when God has done something in our lives, we, you know, you make effort to make something, um, to build an altar. Like back then they built an altar, but to remember it through a picture mm -hmm. or through something of some sort to remember what God has done. Yeah. Like, for example, like uh, Stu was telling me yesterday, um, Sam talked about Stu, who is mm -hmm. a court officer. And Sam was joking around that Stu couldn't remember that he led both Wendy's to Christ. Yeah. And um, afterwards, I was talking to him too. Said, you know, actually, that's one of the pictures I have in my locker room, oh, really? in my court officer in the courtroom. After the first time he forgot, <laughs> I guess he always had it, but which is yeah. funny because he forgot it again. Yeah, he forgot, but you know what I mean. So he he said that's one of the pictures I actually have as an altar in yeah. my locker room. Yeah. So yeah, that's what an altar is, and that's why he has it there. It's not yeah. just a nice memory, but it is to remember what God has done. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and to return to altars and that step of going back to the altars is like our step in trying to remember. Yeah. You know, right. it's like a very active role we could play in remembering who God is in our lives. Because it's yeah. like, I, I guess, you know, like I'm trying, I'm thinking a lot about like selectively remembering things because it's like, 
I feel like anxiety and like fears have a lot to do with informing like how you might re- re- like remember things and w- the way in which we remember things could be kind of altered because of the state that we're in presently, right? Like, cause like memory is like such a fickle thing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. cause like the times when I was like 10 or 15, I look back at what, but like how my mom disciplined me with like very different lens with like how I see it now. Like mm-hmm. now it's kind of like endearing almost like. Mm, you're grateful. Uh, yeah. Like I was, now it's like my mom did her best. Mm-hmm. Before I was like, my mom is like such a, like curse words, right? Like she's so like you could only think that she messed up. Yeah, exactly. She's mm-hmm. like, she's a terrible mom, blah, blah, blah. That like stuff. if I had a better mother. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's like, why does she treat me like this? She doesn't even get me the things that other guys have, like mm. consoles and like all this stuff. Like, <laughs> why do I get a PS2 when the PS3 just came out? Like, I remember like distinctly uh. these thoughts. But then it's like, like memories do have a way in which that they're like kind of trick us into like remembering the wrong things or like maybe... Uh, gather misinformation from the way we recall and it's like and there are times i think i felt like that way about god too it's like if god were good then how come my life doesn't reflect x y and z um because like that's all i knew about god's character then but then i think after growing in faith and like in this journey and knowing more on a deeper level who god is the feeling about all those experiences are completely different right and so it's like how we see and how we remember these events or who God is or who our parents are is like ultimately shapes the way that we do worship or the way that we do honor these like figures or God in our life because of the way that we see them. Right. It's like, it is about the perspective. Yeah. And it also reminds me of that schema. Um, try Try to remember the name of the schema. It's a schema where you negate everything good. If one bad thing happens, you negate oh, everything good. Oh, the catastrophe good. schema? The, um, the c- c- catat- c- catastrophic? Catastrophic thinking? Yeah, one? maybe. Yeah, I, I actually so. don't remember the term, yeah. but it's the schema where one bad thing happens mm-hmm. and every good thing, like let's say you had a great day yeah, and you forget, no, 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 you have, a, you have one bad day yeah. and you forget that last two weeks were so good. Yeah, yeah because of that one bad day and so i think even that is kind of like a forgetfulness because the way that the you're thinking about life Mm. and perspective right is it's skewed and so yeah it's it's um i'm so if you think about it if you think about it, God is really trying to correct the way that we see these things because mm. in the end, it's all love. Like, it's hurting right. us. It's hurting our witness. It's hurting the people we love. It's hurting the way we see God. Mm-hmm. It's hurting our direction. It's blocking our direction. It's hurting the mission. It's hurting the family of God. Yeah. So it's all love that God would still do what he would do mm-hmm. based on his plans and his mission right because god doesn't give in to tantrums of ours yeah you know ask and keep asking persistence is not about throwing a tantrum and saying god no i deserve this mm-hmm. no asking god is about having relationship and seeking him and knowing that he will provide everything yeah that we need so yeah i think you know I'll say this, like, I dream of a community of God that 
not just this community, but like I mean, like talking about the community of God, like not just our church. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the global church. Yeah. yeah. Um, that the competitive culture mm. where it does not exist. Yeah. Ooh. Where opportunities are celebrated because it's another door doorway for um, Christ coming through. Where struggles are shared and people minister to one another in suffering. But even when human beings can't see everything that's going on in someone's suffering, mm-hmm. that there's grace to um, update one another and not impose and be entitled to, um, well, you should be there for me. Like, you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Like where we don't count everything, but is, um, is a very loving community right. where we can celebrate and not um, fret about people doing well because it's not a reflection of someone suffering. Yeah. But we can celebrate and we can mourn with each other. Like a community without sibling rivalry. Yeah. And I know that that doesn't just happen because we are sinners and, you know, we're being redeemed by Mm -hmm. Christ through suffering sometimes, becoming more like Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, But in these opportunities where it is, it becomes very apparent through the word that there is this struggle of spiritual entitlement instead of saying well it's not fair again this is about me Mm -hmm. and something wrong with me no instead of that angle saying wow god's grace i mean could sound ideal but this is really god's grace though like by god's grace realizing wow god's showing me that i had this i had no idea how bad it was and uh, and surrendering it Mm -hmm. and then you can dream of people in 20s and 30s and 40s as sam said in ministry time of people really doing um becoming ambassadors for christ and even if like you are just a 20 year old just faithfully living for christ Mm -hmm. 30 year old with dreams but it's not really happening but in god's time when he does unleash you to the world that you are truly an ambassador for christ you know then we could dream about that but that's what i dream about also Mm. So, like, if we could think out of this small pool, you know, and think more vast of in terms of the harvest, that everyone, it is, like, so, it would be so amazing if everyone could be unleashed as ambassadors to the harvest. Mm -hmm. Instead of this whole small mentality, like, I've been raising my hand this whole time to do something great you haven't picked me so well then forget that but i think there's a lot of that kind of as silly as it sounds i think there's a lot of that kind of um and i'm saying this in the like not in a judgmental way because i know there's pain and waiting too yeah but i think there is a lot of that right i mean this isn't like the easiest message to digest because at the end of the day it's like no one really likes to hear that they might be entitled right but it's like it just goes to show that it's like almost a part of human nature to compare and like you know i think like jealousy and an envy is like a big part of like one of the ways in which that we do sin because it's a matter of like especially when it comes to like 
questioning who God is in our lives in comparison to like how you perceive someone else's like fruit in their life or like what they've received and such or like the blessings they have in comparison to yours it's like that comparison like really like sucks away the joy that could be received or like the love that you know you could experience from those moments just because it's like oh you're looking you're so preoccupied looking at what you don't have as opposed to like what you do have right and it's like that comparison really robs that joy yes yeah and you know what you just actually reminded me when you were saying that and uh, i want to talk about this too like sam actually mentioned like at, when i heard it in the message i was like that's so silly but i think it's so true mm. and maybe it's only silly to me and it's just obvious to everyone <laughs> but he actually said yeah you go well my boyfriend yeah he's good but he's not like that soap opera star yeah you know mm-hmm. like yeah he's all right but he's not like the k-pop star mm-hmm. or like you know a guy would say like my girlfriend she's all right but she's not like chill like that girl yeah i think even that that is entitlement right yeah and when you you're talking about robbing joy it's even when you have something good and that good is not enough because you're comparing Mm -hmm. that comes from spiritual entitlement as well yeah you know like and i think like lately you know sam's been talking about korean dramas a lot yeah. right because they're they've been so good actually right. and they tell such great stories we're watching one right now um or like the previous one i think they did really really well globally so you know people might know um but crash landing on you and the character from north korea he's like a general but he's like ideally handsome and charismatic mm-hmm. and fights the best in the country but he's not a socialist like washed up guy but he also has a heart and soul so like there's this real ideal character right Mm -hmm. but i think often women could be like well my boyfriend i wish my boyfriend could be more like him yeah like charismatic yeah like why is my boyfriend not charismatic or why is my boyfriend like not handsome yeah and it, it's so petty that you don't want to say it, right. but I think this happens. So now that I'm saying it, like, it's not so silly because yeah, it's definitely not so I'm silly. sure it happens. Right. But, or like K-pop star, like, why can't, why is my boyfriend or girlfriend, my wife, my husband, for example, why are they tone deaf? Why can't <laughs> they, or why can't they sing? Yeah. Like, why can't they just like bring the house down and sing? Yeah. Or like, oh, my boyfriend or my girlfriend can sing, but why can't they speak well Mm. or like be socially really, really good? Like, why do they always have to make a scene? Like it, that, even that. And it's like, God, like, why, why did I get the, the end of the stick? Is that, is that the saying? Yeah. The, the The poop word, poop end of the stick. Poop end of the stick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Poop is a curse word though. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that is the entitlement God's wanting to address as well. Because I think what people do when that happens is like you try to fix, fix, fix yeah. because based on your entitlement. Right. There's definitely been many scenarios in which I was like, this is good, but then it would be perfect if like this additional thing that does this like thing doesn't have, right? Yeah. So it's like, I think it's like that definitely comes from like this desire and like this greed, like you were saying, for just better things, right? Like it's like, it's not the best that it could be or it's like it's not perfect right and it's like we're always like trying to nitpick and polish and like manipulate things so that they could be the, what we want those things to be but then yeah when we don't get those things that we want 
that we've envisioned to look a certain way, then it's like, then we blame God. And then it's like that sense of entitlement just ultimately like boxes us into like this, like bitterness and like being blinded by just a lack of things, even though you might already have so much. Yeah. When actually the ugliest part of that picture is Mm -hmm. the entitlement. Right. It's the entitlement in people that makes things ugly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But even that God's addressing. Mm. It's not just about why don't I have this personally, but Mm -hmm. it's about what about the person in my life? Like, why can't, why can't my child be smarter? Why can't my child be better looking? Yeah. I mean, in a competitive world, that stuff exists. Right. You know, but that stems up because of the spiritual entitlement in us. It's Mm -hmm. like, gosh, God, why? Like, did you really, didn't you think that maybe it would be easier if I had it a little better? Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't have any of these thoughts because I feel like my husband's perfect. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, that entitlement is where it stems from. Mm. And God is not just confronting com- entitlement of between pals, but even in a marriage, you know, mm. he's confronting, he's wanting to, I don't even want to say confront, but like wanting to uproot because it's not good there. Yeah, Wanting to uproot that spiritual entitlement in relationships so that it could flourish. Because, yeah. or friendships, you know, or, but in the closest relationships, I believe that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. And it does rear a pretty ugly head. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, like, uh, like, real practical questions are always, like, so, like, what does a life look like that, you know, is free of spiritual entitlement? Because I think it's, like, because the immediate thought I have is, like, oh, everybody's super humble if they're not entitled, right? But that's that's not, like, technically... I think it's worked out. Yeah. Because it's a test. If Jesus went through the test, right. like, it's in all of us. Right. But at one point or another, um, we go through the test, we either pass or fail, right? Yeah. But but it doesn't end there, you know? Like, God is working that out in our character, and yeah. that's why it it is in the scripture. Right, and there would be, like, a peace about it as a result, or is there, like... Uh, like, how, I guess, like, what I might want to be asking is, like, how do you know that you've kind of overcome the test or, like, aren't, like, shaking your fist at God about things? Because it's, like, I think, you know, it's... Like, for me, it was very difficult, like I said in the beginning, to, like really like pinpoint like do i like do i have a problem with this like do i feel entitled that my life doesn't look a specific way like am i complaining about my life Mm. um and so like i guess it's just kind of like how do you know like that you are secure in the character of god and you know that god is faithful to you and that in turn like you can also live a life that is faithful to god and you know express that in your worship or your praise right I guess it's just kind of like a yeah. idea of what that might look like. I think it's the admission that this is not about God's character. Mm. That his character is good. Yeah. And also the um the admission again, I don't know, that seems like the right word right now. Yeah. The admission also that this is because I made my life about something that it's not supposed to be about. Right. I think when the end goal 
if basically you strive for the end goal mm -hmm. and when the end goal is not missional or to be an ambassador for christ and you are trying to build your life a certain way it's somewhere along the line it's going to show up that something is not right yeah um and somewhere along the line you're going to find problems and you're going to feel like this is not the life i want mm -hmm. i want to change it up i want it better i want it bigger so admission that your end goal might be skewed yeah. our end goal might be skewed Hmm. And I think for me, the third one is that in the end, Christ is our treasure. Hmm. And then, then, I mean, like the truth, I, and this, I, I think this is important too, like kind of admitting to what truth is right. and not just like truth that confronts sin, but it's also that even godly people suffer. Right. And, and this one was a huge one for me after like my dad passed away. I had to embrace that death faces all of us hmm. and that this is not my home. Like for me, I think that was big. And sometimes like, I'll like joke with Sam a lot because I, and he'll be like, honey, that's very, uh, why do you think like that? But like, I do it almost like extremely mm -hmm. and maybe I need to work on this, hmm. but be like, well, you know, honey, um, when we, like, I don't know how long I will live. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it could sound dramatic. Could, yeah, a little bit morbid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could sound a little morbid. But, and maybe that's just, like, what God is, like, kind of dealing with me. Because losing my dad was so sudden at the time. Yeah. And I'm, like, I've grieved it. And I'm happy. And I feel closer to him more than ever because I know where he is. Mm -hmm. But realizing that. I mean, people get sick, Yeah, you know, people get sick. And the thing is this, sometimes you feel so much joy in like whatever moment you have with your loved ones. But the thing is, it might not last forever. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, forget it might, it will it not last, last forever. forever. Not in this world yeah. anyway. And that's why we have a mission. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important. I think as Christians to know that we're just passing through life. But this is not it. Like our home is somewhere else. Right. So let's not all settle down here and like, you know, because mm -hmm. one day you're going to have to leave it and you can't even pack it up yeah. to go. But I think knowing that, embracing that, and I think that's, I know that's hard, mm -hmm. but embracing that death will face all of us um, also brings, I know it sounds crazy. It could, but it brings peace. Yeah. To know that one day we will leave this place and we can't bring any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, when you have to go, you have to go. Yeah. When God calls us home and to know that he's in control mm -hmm. and to believe in everything in scripture. God will not let us go through anything um, that we can't handle. Right. Therefore, that God is going to be faithful no matter what the hardship is. Yeah. You know? To know his character in the difficult times and in the good times. Mm -hmm. And also this notion of fame and influence. Well, we're called to be faithful. And God may have. And this is kind of, I think, anecdotal. Uh, it happens a lot in the church that because God opened up opportunities of stages for this person who was faithful that it should happen to everyone. And again, it's like spiritual um, entitlement and all. Yeah. But the thing is, there is a 
um, sphere of influence is not always created by stages. Yeah. And, you know, it's anecdotal to think that everyone is going to have the same kind of fame. Yeah. And I know that that happens a lot. Like a lot of friends in churches and mega churches write books and are speakers and are traveling. But also, it, it's, it's not like you get this, you get this, you get yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like it's all, it's, you know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of nuances with that to begin with just like based on gifting and like based on like how like god's plan for each individual like i mean like i think about that a lot also because like there was a book that has probably influenced largely like how i feel about those things like sometimes like our mission for god is not necessarily speaking to the masses but maybe it could be like touching the life of a single person and that being your legacy or like that being like how God has worked through you in your life. Like you just radically changing somebody's life. And you know, it might not have been what you thought it was going to be, but then like that impacted the kingdom forever. And like, that is a testament to who God is through this, through you. Um, and like, maybe that's not like sexy or attractive to a lot of people, right? It's like, Oh, it's not like I'm like, like making a million people cry in a stadium kind of thing. But it's like, that's like honest work and that's honest to who god is and that's honest to a life well lived for god i think and it's like i wrestle with that a lot sometimes i think that's why i'm bringing it up because it's like mm. yeah maybe i don't have like this like lavish life or like this like awesome fulfilling you know super cool picture of what it means to be like a christian that's doing awesome things in this world am i going to be okay with that if i can live out god's plan for my life and that's like an honest question and I think I've wrestled with it for a number of years and it, I always think, and I say think because it's never really happened to me yet. And I say I think to tread lightly on the fact that like I would love to still like live that life mm-hmm. that God called me despite it not looking like what I necessarily thought it should look like in terms of like influence or impact and such, right? Um, and again, I say think because it's like I don't really know, like I don't know if my character could handle that until the time comes, you know, like through that test of being tested over and over. Um, and I, I want to be someone that does have that kind of character built up so that I can, you know, like rise to the occasion and not be so fixated on, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, this was like a bad deal I struck or something like that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think this like speaks very viscerally and deep to me also. Cause it's like, man, this is something that like is a very sobering, reality or like a very sobering thing about being a believer that i think a lot of us tend to neglect because it's like doesn't sound good or it's like it's an easy thing to dismiss because it's like not prosperous or about our flourishing and stuff like that but it's like no this is like this is kind of like large part of what we're getting ourselves into when it comes to living our lives for god what do you mean large part of i think it's kind of like there's we don't know how god Mm. operates in our lives right you know and it's like it's true, like death and, you know, suffering is just kind of a part of our lives or a part of our reality in this world. Um, and I know a lot of people have, like, you know, always talk about how it's unfair that God did this or it's unfair that this happened. Like, why did this happen and such? And it's kind of like, I'm sure all of us are going to be wrestling with these questions that we don't really understand, like, why God has done certain things in our lives. But am I going to let that hold me back from living my life for God? You know, I like, I, I just never wanted that thing to be a hindrance for. Mm. So you're defining right now 
the nuance of suffering as not having the extent of influence that you wish it could have. Yeah, or like, you know, saying that this suffering is a byproduct of who God is in my life because like, you know, like it it doesn't fit into the picture of what I thought my life was going to look like. Yeah, so exactly what you're saying. Like it's I think differentiating that like a life lived for God is a life lived for God despite what we prefer our lives to look like. Mm, no matter what size and what it might yeah. play out as. Right. Even if um you don't stand on a stage yeah. and speak to millions. Right. Or hundreds. Yeah. Or it could be like five. It could be yeah. like one. It could be no it could be no you can you know, it could be like not speaking to people at all. And it's like we see Sarah Young's impact through her writing, you know, and she, I don't think I've ever heard heard her speak before, you know, and it's like it's actually hard to find her face. On yeah, Google. exactly. And so it's like there's mm-hmm. many ways that God works in our lives, and it might not look like what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'd be almost a shame for me to look back at my life and say oh, I didn't really live my life for God because I was so fixated on like standing in a podium or like having a bunch of money or that, those kinds of things. do you think that like your generation um your younger generation than mine Mm. by one generation Um, yes one or like at the you're between z and millennial millennial, yeah Yeah, you're millennial yeah 94 94 okay that that generation because of social media and because instagram for example is so talent-based right yeah stuff struggles with that right i think so there's an expectation like a successful life looks like how many followers yeah and there's also like a lot of influencers this is what i thought of earlier too is that like they'll have a very lavish and successful lifestyle and say like things like it's god's plan <laughs> right so it's like it's almost like we've been told or we're being taught in our culture like god's plan looks like your flourishing and like your success and you standing out above everybody else and having like massive influence and stuff like that when it's like it could have been that person's plan from God. Sure, like, who who can really say, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that's going to be everybody's, right? And are you going to be okay with that? And I think that's why it's like, I, I like the way that Dr. Sammy framed this in the beginning because it's like rebukes are not easy to, like, take in or digest all mm-hmm. the time, right? Because it's like the truth can be not appealing and you know but at the end of the day it's truth or like at the end of the day it's just a reality like that we have to face like just because we don't talk about it or we might not acknowledge it doesn't mean it's not there that'd be like kind of kind of silly to live that way you know or like to think that and in this case you're talking about the reality that that might not happen or might happen or like it might maybe it's like disappointing that it's like you're not like instagram famous or whatever or like this like you did all the things that were like hashtag God's plan, but it's, you know, it doesn't look the same as that person's that you follow on Instagram, right? Mm. Um, and it's like, I think it's like the expectation that if you do all the right things and if you live your life for God, it's like, it's going to look like that. And when it doesn't, you get disappointed and bitter. And then it's like, that's when you blame God. It's like, you know, and that's like that vicious cycle that I think we're just kind of like, like kind of talking at a, I don't, on like a broad scale right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's like our that's what ultimately I think we buy into or our my culture or our culture buys into as like what God's plan is for our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So again, like the end, what is was the end goal look like? Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. and you know, Sam said um, said this, which was really powerful to not doubt God, what God has said in the light when you're in the dark, mm-hmm. and it goes back to again because God is speaking and and speaking to people who know Him, mm-hmm. who have who have known Him, yeah. have history with God's God Himself. Right, um, going back to who to the things that god has said Mm -hmm. um and how he over time has really um made those things not 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 appear but more apparent yeah right even if it is not like the package you're looking for but really knowing kind of like the footprints of god that he is leading your life right Mm -hmm. um I think that's a really important point that he makes because, um, and again, I don't want to be like anecdotal about the fact that everyone is going to get these offers and be on the radio and whatever. But the truth of it is what God has whispered to Sam, he has also whispered um, about things and his plans to people Mm -hmm that people have also forgotten. Yeah. And we've done these exercises too in our community, in our retreats even, you know, asking for that statement, God, give me a statement to live for. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're going to have, you're going to be a real estate mogul. No, mogul, right? Mogul, Is it mogul, mogul, yeah. Mogul. <laughs> it's not that you're going to be a real estate mo- <laughs> mogul. 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 Yeah, mogul. Mogul. Weird word, yeah. Yeah. Um, or that you're going to be like, ultra famous yeah but that and it's never about that you know but god really just helps gives this statement which in essence is about who you are and your value to Mm, god yeah but also your value not to your own life but to the world Mm -hmm. you know and there are these statements that god has spoken to people you know and you're right. Like we can't, we don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. And this is the other thing. Like, I think a lot of people have these um, illusions about speaking, you know, in big places mm-hmm. and, and, you know, big stages yeah, and name plastered everywhere. Yeah. Right, TV. Yeah. Like billboards. I don't know about that kind of influence because that's not my, the path that I, that yeah. I am on. Right. But, um, presently anyway right mm-hmm. i don't know about that right speaking to millions i've spoken over hundreds and maybe almost thousand but that was like a long time ago. it hasn't happened in a long time yeah. i am faithful to my community and to this family but whenever i hear that i hear a lot of like it seems like such a great thing that it's happening all the time yeah and that this highlight is how life is mm-hmm how things look picture perfect the filtered photo almost seems like how life will be like yeah or the filtered clean photo of the home that you live in because of how rich you got right doing god's work Mm -hmm. or you know like being generous like you it almost seems like that house never gets messy you know you never fight um, with your kids, it seems picture perfect, mm-hmm. and picture perfect does not exist. But to me, it reminds me a lot of like when people say, "Oh, I don't really like this life, and I want to buy a farm." And I yeah. like people don't realize farms are filled with work to do. Yeah, 
it's not just this beautiful yellow or red barn. Yeah, you gotta wake up at and like four a.m. Yeah, <laughs> and and the other thing people say is like, there's so many bugs. Yeah. Like, there's a cost, <laughs> but people don't look at the cost. Yeah, yeah. People don't look at the cost to even getting there. Right. People don't look at the cost of sacrificing family so that you have to be on the stage because yeah. now there's a demand. People don't look at the hard work of hours where you're thinking about what you should write. Like yeah. I'm only speaking because my husband is, you know, Sam is um, a writer mm -hmm. and he does all these things. So I could kind of talk about behind the scenes, but ultimately it's never what you think is picture perfect. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. only see the highlight. Yeah. Right. People only see the highlight and people only see the edited version because that's what's being presented. Yeah. But yeah, like the farm. So I think also coloring in that everyone suffers to mm -hmm. a certain degree at certain point, one point or another. And it's not for one to decide and define that one should suffer more because, you know, mm -hmm. your eyes are on that person and you feel like you're envious of that person mm -hmm. or you feel bitter that you think they have it easier. Like... But that's kind of like the game, right? Yeah. Like everyone's just kind of, if you're not looking up, you end up looking around, mm. you know? Yeah. So, but I think also the reality check is also important to find peace about spiritual entitlement. Yeah. yeah. Which brings us back to remembering the altars. Right. And remembering what God has said in the light. Hmm so important i think so i'm just trying to remember if i like have a statement or you know because i think it's like you're right it's like easy to f forget i i think it's easy to forget because like i think for me it's really important that i don't forget who god is in my life but it just kind of happens right and i think we've had a conversation about forgetfulness like a couple months back even where it's kind of like you don't even intend to forget but it's like because of what's going on around you you just kind of like lose sight or like you forget your bearings or the anchor in your life that has been kind of like holding you all like like god that who has been holding you together through this time like once it gets a little bit tumultuous or like a little bit hard it's just so easy to kind of like like freak out and forget about who god is in your life right because it's like what the one of the immediate things i thought about with this sermon was like okay it's like when I, when I decided to make my decision to go to school, it was like, you know, I felt like there was like a, you know, an understanding like this is, this might be what God is doing in my life. Um, if this is God's plan, like I'm all for it, let's, let's do it. And I don't think I like necessarily expected it to be easy, but I didn't expect it to be this hard. And I think that's where it's like really mm. easy to forget that. Because well, like, the, the name Columbia yeah. at the end of your email looks good, but yeah. you're not thinking I got to study. Yeah, exactly. You have to study really hard. <laughs> you're just thinking like, status. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, okay, like, I guess like this is going to help me. And like, this is God's plan. He's going to help me. And like, this is not like, it's like going to be hard, but it's like going to be pretty much smooth sailing. Right. Because like, you don't, you don't really think about like what it looks like day to day. You just kind of almost see like the end of it. Right. And you're like, I'm just. I'm just kind of like observing from a distance what it could look like and not necessarily what it is that I'm going to have to do in order for like this to work out or like mm -hmm. this, if this is God's plan for like what my role is in it. And it's a lot harder than I thought, like very hard. It's like, it's like almost like it makes me like question a lot all the time, you know, what, am I meant to yeah, be here? it's like, what am mm -hmm. I doing here? Like, why is this so hard? Like, 
what is the point of like taking out all this money for this or like what is mm. all the point of any like why am i doing this like it doesn't i'm not good at this like this you know that kind of stuff and it just goes to show that like in these moments and i guess because it's a test it's like hard for me to see the same ways in which that god has pulled through in my life in other ways that even though i might have been unsure or times that i've been confused or like you know like it felt incapable and like not worthwhile or like felt like the things i was doing was like not worth it that god has came through in my life before right and it's like i i do have like these altars for them like whether it's like pictures or it's like these memories of those times or like letters and such like that and it's like man it it does take a lot of effort to even like remember and like stay the course because of the fact that you have certain expectations of like what it should look like or Mm -hmm. as opposed to like what is actually going on and you know it brings up a lot of questions i think Mm -hmm. and it's like because of those questions it's like hard to remember like the overarching truth like that transcends those questions of like your day-to-day struggle it's like oh yeah remember that god who brought you here will get you through it and it's like it's easy to say those things but it's like hard to like live out those things i guess is what i'm trying to say right because it's like even though i already had uh a background and understanding of who god is it's even even when it gets hard it's like man like like hello god are you there it's like it's like almost that Mm-hmm. to that magnitude where it comes up mm-hmm. well i think that's why we have to go back yeah what we knew in the light when things get hard right i remember when you were deciding about going to school mm-hmm. i had a dream that you were like a child yeah. on a school bus yeah. i said joe did you decide yet because i actually had a dream that you were on a school bus mm-hmm. and then you said that was a huge confirmation for you it was yeah yeah well in my remembrance in my dream you were in a school bus of like elementary school and to me it was symbolic of joe i'm going to raise you up here like i'm going to help you grow up in this Mm -hmm. like you weren't this like put together you know like doctor but you were a child and god was saying i'm gonna father you and teach you through this Mm -hmm. and it's gonna because growing up is hard yeah but that he it to me that's what it symbolized Mm -hmm. when i saw you there that he was going to walk you through, that he was going to carry you through, that he was going to be faithful. Because that's what God does. Mm. Father is faithful. A good father is faithful to walk and lead and mm-hmm. raise that child. Yeah. So the expectation by no means was this all put together genius walking in yeah. and i don't need to study right i don't need to you know i just need to take the exam yeah i wish you know because that's kind of like the expectation like right. oh it's god's plan so it's gonna be yeah easy. it should be easy yeah yeah but you know but you say that in your perspective going through it but mm-hmm. i think for people when they hear like that oh it's like this person is going to the school or harvard or these names right mm-hmm. people don't really think that it must be hard yeah but people go that's not fair i want that status right you know and yeah. i think that happens a lot too mm-hmm. but instead of looking at things in the perspective of status and oh this is you know this yeah. is my my life is set um again going back from the focus you have on others yeah. to the altars that you have set to thank God one time or another, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think as when those things become clear, 
I think also our mind and our hearts are also clear to really live fully each day without this discrepancy or this like brooding like bitterness and envy mm -hmm. that pops up whenever something good happens around us yeah and it is something that we wanted or you know mm -hmm. whether i think status is a big thing yeah like people you know in the first world like especially in new york city because it's so competitive it's mm. like status matters yeah. who's higher in status Positions and ivy matter, league yeah. yeah positionality like people forget their own positionality and like these status like names matter so much mm -hmm. but when you ask people like like you you're saying like mm. um going to columbia or like harvard like when you ask sam he doesn't think like oh yeah i am better than everyone he yeah. doesn't think like that he just thinks he says the higher you get it's more humble you are because you realize the responsibility yeah. and the work that needs to be done he's not thinking oh i've arrived above all of you haha -ha. he it's not like that mm. you know so i think like as as believers if we could remember what god has done and the more clear that becomes i think more clear-hearted and full-hearted and yeah. clear eyes we become to be a team yeah because sure right yeah. and okay this is the other thing I, yeah, yeah. maybe we're it's going a great point. like i think this happens and i know that all the listeners are not asian mm. and i don't think this is just an asian thing but this is very prominent in asian homes mm -hmm. um is that be the best in the room be the best in your class yeah. be number one in your school yeah be rated number one and although in a real world ratings matter right yeah like where you stand 10%, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it matters, but that's all about hard work. Yeah. But when you go into a community and you want to be the best there, mm -hmm. well, there's going to be a problem because that's not God's order. Yeah. In God's world, how he measures and sees things is not by um, merit or even privilege, but it's based on grace for a purpose mm. right so if everyone is trying to be better than someone else so that they could stand apart yeah well then we're running into a problem yeah but i think a lot of times that's something that um in asian americans like that you you're not the best and who cares about being the best like yeah. it's actually overrated it's definitely overrated i think yeah, yeah. it's it's the, I if we could obliter, obliterate like being the best yeah. in the team, like whether it's media team, worship team, like s let's stop thinking about being the best yeah. in that group. But how do we as a team like use our gifts yeah. and recognize our positionality to be ambassadors for Christ? Right. I think that also kills. Um, spiritual entitlement yeah because then you could be a part of something as opposed to like wondering why they have x and i have y or like why they're this and why i'm that because it creates that separation where in fact like that's like the exact opposite of like what relationships could look like because if we're like supporting each other and like celebrating each other and like going through each other's sorrows together even that's like what a team is also and that's like that's much more beautiful than like being set apart from everybody else yeah because i mean the truth is like some will be more gifted than you and i mm. like in a room right definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think that's something i think is okay for sure yeah. it does not diminish 
who you and I are or、mm-hmm. are becoming.、Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we're not supposed to be the best to the point of like proving to everyone, like look at me, look at me. Yeah. But I think that that's there, and because a lot of times it's, it's kind of like a sibling rivalry, and you know, well, why does that person? Get so much attention, and、mm-hmm. I don't. And like the Bible talks about them, we talked about it several weeks ago、yeah. about the toe, and you know, and that's why we need to recognize parts that are more behind the scenes because some are more apparent in their role、mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. But if we, it's not even, it's not just etymology, but if we could go from this survival mentality of let's be the best to let's. I let me be the best ambassador for Christ that I can be.、Mm. I think, I think it would be so freeing. Right, yeah, I can see that. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it just that's, because I think I feel like that would. I'm I'm just getting ahead of myself, but you know that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, no, I think、yeah. so too. I think so too. But coming to terms with those things、yeah. is like a rebuke, though. For sure,、yeah. I think that's the thing. That's the discipline part. It's like it hurts to、mm-hmm. admit that this is reality,、yeah. that that's true. But man, like when we accept truth, and when we accept rebuke, like it might not feel good at the time. Yeah. But Hebrews twelve says that it produces a harvest of righteousness.、Mm-hmm. In hindsight, so.、Yeah. It's yeah. Hebrews twelve is powerful because it also talks about how our earthly fathers, like paternal figures, and I guess like the culture itself, teaches us in the best way they know how.、Mm-hmm. But how much more? And the word is how much more should we submit our spirits to、oh、no submit to the father of our spirits so that we w- we will sh- fully live. Yeah. So I think there is. A sense of, we could call it worldliness, and we could say, "Oh, that's so worldly thinking." Oh, let's not think like that. No, it's not like that. It's like embracing that there is a struggle of of entitlement、mm-hmm. and embracing it and admitting it, and kind of like, even though it hurts, admitting that it exists,、yeah. that you know that there is a struggle. And submitting ourselves to God, then instead of being in the order of the world and in the competition and in survival of the fittest, we come into the order of the Father、mm-hmm. of our spirit, who will、um, lead us, mold us, call us, guide us, like like the f- song Potter's Hand.、Yeah. And together, because we're a body, a unit together. We can achieve so much because、right. we will need each other. Because、mm-hmm. not everyone, not one person has all the gifts. Yeah. Right. And as a as as a team, but as a body of Christ, as a community, we can become a real strong.、Um, I don't know, a team of ambassadors for Christ. Whether、yeah. we are individually apart, apart, and in these, you know, like medical world, or in the education world,、mm-hmm. or finance world.、Um, Or collectively together, representing Christ,、mm-hmm. you know, in a gathering, in a group, however small, however big, I think then God's glory will be really, really, really—I don't know—awesome. Yeah. 
but there are steps to take. I think that's the thing. It's right. this is this message is like bitter end. There's a sweetness to it because yeah. the bitterness is kind of like we have to take it. We have to admit to it. We have to accept that this exists in us and that to embrace it and say, you know what, this is in me, but I'm going to lay it down mm -hmm. to become and to be, to live the way that Christ designed for me to live and mm -hmm. not this world. Right. You know? And with that also, like the altar, I think that's important. Like, remembering what God has said yeah, and staying faithful to that, but also remembering what God has done. Mm -hmm. I think we have to sit down in this season of Lent, really. And because we're human beings, we have to write it down or sit down and really think like, what has God done that I forgot? Because I def like, it's definite that we forgot, Yeah, you know? And if you don't know if you've forgotten or if it's such a blank like you're you're like oh i don't know i don't think he did anything really because mm. you can't really remember and it's complete amnesia then think about and you're a believer um who has been walking with god and you feel like it's been kind of just like horrible just yeah look around your life who's in your life um maybe in increments of five years mm. ten years what was there what wasn't here how god has really just um put you in a place to flourish but also, um, what was I going to say? When you worship, what is your worship like is also a good test yeah. of that. If your worship feels like, uh, I don't really want to worship. And it's always, then, you know, it's very much likely that you're always thinking about the next thing. Like, what more could I get? How more could I get this better? Mm -hmm. Or, And so I think Sam talks about that a lot. Like, it's measured in... The passion of your worship. Yeah, like the temperature of your worship. Yeah. yeah. And numbers are sometimes very, you know, it's a clear, I guess. Indication. Yeah. yeah. So I think we have homework to do, you know? Yeah, for this sure. This week. It's definitely like a very, I think it's a very important reflection piece with like the, with the season in Lent because it's not just like, what are the things that are occupying like space in our hearts that like prevent us from God's call? But it's also like, you know, I guess what are we expecting from God? Right. I guess that's like kind of like the second leg of this question that I interpret it as because it's like, do we expect God to, you know, just hand us things that we want in our lives or are we expecting from God, like a call and a purpose and a mission that we can align ourselves to and like, our character can be shaped and formed so that we can walk in that destiny and you know like who because it, it really does come down to who we are right like who we're becoming and this this is what this lens season i think has really been kind of highlighting for or underscoring for many of us especially like me especially i can only really speak for myself but you know. Can I be specific and say, yes, it is ultimately we're only in control of who we are becoming, mm -hmm. but this one is really about who God is. Oh, yeah. And oh. I'm just like, right, right, right. No, that's fair. That's a good. Point. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, because like it is about remembering who yeah. God is and how faithful he's been. Right. No, you said everything right. Oh, okay. Just, yeah, I, I just want to. I just wanted no, I to make it overarching theme is about really yeah. the goodness of God. Yes, which is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. yeah.
and remembering that. Right. So what are some steps that you can take? Um, what are you going to do to remember the altars? Well, I was going to journal because um, I think journaling is a really great way to collect thoughts. And like I've, I've been making a practice of journaling throughout my like school journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and like those pockets that I feel like God really pulled through or like what God mm-hmm. is telling me through these like specific moments mm-hmm. um, kind of fell off this semester just because it's like, I don't know why. It's like the less busy I am, the more I forget to do these things. Mm-hmm is like a weird ironic thing but um i think also it's like reevaluating what those altars are like because i know i made altars i can't always tell you that i remember what those altars are mm-hmm. um there's one that i do really remember it was like an exercise that i did with dr sammy about like positionality pretty much like mm-hmm. a couple years ago which was mm-hmm. really cool or what about the retreat that we took right yeah for was, me, like nature's a good indication mm-hmm. of that. That was that was a huge one too. Like yeah. I, so already you're remembering. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause like there's a, I spent like during that retreat, I spent a lot of time near this lion statue. Um, before I went to school, and Colombia's mascot is a lion. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, this is weird. We're in the Bronx, and there's a lion statue. I don't know what that is. Also, it was weird that there was this beautiful park. Yeah. With water and sea creatures everywhere. Yeah, that was also. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that park was beautiful. And so that that's also one because there's like lions everywhere in Colombia. So it's like, mm. that was big for me. Um, yeah, so I'm like just trying to revisit those altars because I've had many altars through this decade and I'm sure I've forgotten a whole ton of them. So. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Is, there, is there any other things I could do? No, I think journaling is good. I think sometimes we can't overstate it. Journaling is a way to really stop and pause and really think about what's really important. Yeah. But overall, like, turning to God is, like, so important. Mm -hmm. You know, the difference of turning to God in a day and not turning to God is night and day. Like, 100% difference. Mm-hmm. You might not really know it, but it actually makes a huge difference. Yeah. The gesture of saying like, God, I turn to you. Um, so for me, it's kind of how I spend time with God. Like I start by saying, God, I turn to you. Instead of just assuming like, I know you're here. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, I'm very symbolic, but also very intentional in how I do things. So for me, it's like, and you or anyone listening can do this as well because it's helped me a lot. Like, I'll be like, God, I turn to you right now and um, help me remember the things that you have done that I can't remember. And when I say that, I sincerely mean it because sometimes I just feel like I'm just not remembering things. Mm-hmm. And throughout the day, throughout the week, he will help me remember Cause he's good. Hmm. He's so good to even help us remember. He's not like, oh, how dare you figure it out? Yeah. yeah, but he's so good to graciously help us remember. Hmm. Just like Josh remembered. Yeah. When he admitted that he had amnesia, he actually remembered that all of a sudden what he couldn't see all of a sudden he saw it when he admitted he had amnesia he saw oh mom you do 
you do cut my strawberry caps off so that it's the way that I like it. Mm-hmm. It's funny how those things happen. So it's like step by step, but it's really the admission of okay, I, 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 I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I did forget, and yeah. I want to remember. So yeah, for like for me, I, turning to God that way, because yeah. not all the time do we have like an hour to spend straight in the beginning of a day. Yeah, I mean we can be intentional about that, but. Just really walking through just the day and saying, "God, I turn to you," is really engaging in His presence mm-hmm. and trusting overall in the big picture of God being in control of my life mm-hmm. has helped me a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's a practice that we all could learn from. Yeah. Sure. So I guess I to give an exercise even for small groups or for personal exercise to help people. Um, just to say it is like, look through, look through your pictures, look through Instagram. But if you're not like a, you know, social media kind of person, like just think through the months and the season and just, you know, start by like five years, 10 years or, and then break it into like, you know, last month, last Christmas, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Go through the calendar, and even when you start remembering one, um, the amnesia will start. I, I, it will start to fade. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Just literally looking at a timeline and remembering things. But also the other way is look around and look at the people in your life mm-hmm. that may not have been there before, and um. And look at the safety that God's created. Maybe God's done a lot of work around you. Mm-hmm. And you're in a place where you can flourish. You know? So just checking out the environment also. And because we talked about, you know, comparing, you know, spouses or comparing, you know, significant other yeah. to perfection, to things that don't exist. Um make lists of things you're grateful for about your about your yeah about your significant other about your husband about your wife and make a list of those things Mm. and those things help too to really substantially remember why you love this person and Mm. why um you're so grateful that this person loves you and i i think that's important to remember too yeah because we take that for granted and when we take things for granted is when we forget for sure yeah and thanking god ultimately for Mm -hmm. how he has so yeah a little bit of reflection and intentionality goes a long way Mm. so five things this week for you and I to consider remembering hmm. the altars and admitting the places where spiritual entitlement exists. Right. Even if the voice of the enemy, you know, says, well, it's easy for some, like, it's harder for you. Now you have to deal with all this and be rebuked. I just want to say in the name of Jesus, the enemy comes to condemn and accuse the believer. 
God does not accuse and condemn. Mm. He may He may be stern with us. He may rebuke us because He has greater good in mind. But He will never put us in a place of shame. Yeah. But I actually want to read that from BRG today. Um, so we have a BRG on Instagram. If you want to follow, it is the scripture. It's a scripture each day. And for Lent season, we're sharing on our uh, 180 Church Instagram as well as BRG Instagram story, Sarah Young's devotional each day for 40 days. And on the BRG, which st stands for 180 Bible Reading Group, um, each day there is a verse that pertains to devotion. And today's, the verse is, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So when you feel accusation in admitting um, past the guilt of the fact that I struggle with this and then shame comes, Know that God does not bring shame. He convicts us for change. He does not convict us to push us to a corner. He, he convicts us to redeem us and for better. And this is what I wrote. It is easy and tempting to walk through the day and life on pilot mode and many default modes. But at the end of the day, we are left with many of our same struggles. Our identity can only be shaped and strengthened in Christ as we stop to remember who He is and who we are in Him. So let's pause and smell the roses because it has roses on the picture. Mm. God's truth sets us free. And so a little bit of intentionality and reflection goes a long way. Mm. So five things, five altars to remember yeah. of what God has done in our lives. Right on. Yep. So that's it, folks. I think, how many weeks do we have before Easter? Um, it's the 12th, so three more weeks. We have three more weeks. Three more weeks until Easter. Of Lent. Yeah. So, yeah. Five weeks, sorry. It's totally off. Wow, five weeks left? Yeah, I guess so. I guess Lent technically only started two weeks ago. Okay, so like not to get so technical in the... But all I'm saying <laughs> is, how many weeks of Lent do we have left? Keep listening yeah. and let's draw closer mm. for transformation as we fast. Amen. So have a great week, everyone. Five things. Five things, we'll, guys. We'll all do that together. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye, -bye. So for those of you who are afraid of the future, what your bank column will be, who your spouse will be, what you will be doing. Will you today say, God, whatever it is that you want to do through my life, I want to do what you want to do. Father, I want to do what you are doing in my life. I want you to send me and launch me to my ministry, to my destiny for your glory, and I won't interfere. So will you lift your hands today and pray, make this a moment during Lent, or even the cross would be okay. Because for every cross, there's a resurrection. And the greater the darkness you experience, you will experience the greatest light. 
This is the totality of the redemptive story of the Bible. Will you trust Him for your destiny? For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says that you have been risen with Christ in the past tense. Not you will rise with Christ when you go to heaven. You are risen with Christ here. Here now. If you want to tap into that power, you must surrender your entitlement, your plans, how things should be done, like you're brilliant or something. Okay, God has a universe, you don't. So shut up, stop being an idiot like I was, and trust Him. That's New York talk, real talk for you right here. And submit your life under Him, and He will do things, Ephesians 3.20, more than you can ask or ever imagine. Not because He should, but because He wants to. He wants to move through your life and shock the world and reveal His glory. I believe that God has called 180 to launch in the center of the city, the greatest city still in the world to launch many of you into prominent ministries of influence in the world, in different sectors of society. We want you to flourish in ways you can't even imagine. It's more than just having a nice family and having a nice income and this small story of this American dream that that's enough. Half the famous people on this planet are on drugs and in rehab. The other half are exploiting women and systems. It's never enough to have power, money. The corrosive power we see it plainly every day in TV, in politics, in Hollywood, and in tech companies. What if God is calling to something even more grander than that story? To be on mission. To be in politics, to be in business, to be in nonprofits that literally could change the world in places like the UN, in institutions, in the academy. The only thing stopping you who are the most talented people in this planet, in the greatest city in the world, is the fact that you think you know better than God's story. I'll tell you this, as a fellow journeyman, this Lenten season, will you, as Jesus did, overcome the hold of your own entitlement? Lay it down before the Lord. Say, God, I trust, as the word says, that those who put their trust in him will be, never be put to shame.
that when you obey him and walk in his commands and fully follow him with your whole heart, Deuteronomy tells us he will lift us up high above the nations. I believe and I hope that I will see many of you rise to represent him as an ambassador for Christ. And I believe you will. The only thing stopping you from that, everybody look at me, it's a serious moment, is your stupidity. Serious, that's it. Can you overcome human stupidity? No. You can't, but you can limit it. You could limit it by already declaring your stupidity to God and others and be humble. And let God lift you up and use you. I believe that's going to happen in the next decade. I'm dead serious. That's my mission. And sometimes this year, you'll say, Doc, you're mean. P. Lid, you're mean. Henry, why are you so mean? We know Peebs is mean, so. <laughs> but that's because we want to limit your stupidity and our stupidity so God can launch us, amen? Let's pray for the benediction of our heads and give it to the Lord. Father, in the midst of this pandemic, xenophobia, anxiety, depression, loneliness. We come back to the Psalms, millennia of wisdom given to us by the people of God. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Be the light of the world in this fearful world today. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.